0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. I'm Doug Cunnington. And in this episode, I'm gonna talk about the pros and cons of an Amazon affiliate site versus a site that uses other affiliate programs. The origin of this question is Masher, a community member over on the YouTube channel. So he's a subscriber. He's been showing up to a lot of videos lately, just uh, chatting, leaving comments. And I actually posted on my community tab on my channel Asking for questions, usually for videos, but I cheat and I use the same ideas for videos and podcasts and for blog posts because it'll fit for all of them. So Masher basically wanted to know, like, what's good and what's bad, and just kind of break it down. So that's what we'll talk about today. And if you are not a subscriber over on YouTube, you should check it out. I am trying to build up the subscriber based although I think it's roughly a it's a vanity metric overall if you watch videos from certain channels or certain topics you'll see them recommended on your homepage on YouTube so it is kind of a vanity metric but we'll see I'm, I'm just playing around with it I am actually running a few ads on YouTube just to see what that does over the long term and I actually see positive results as far as the number of views and view time, as well as the number of subscribers. Definitely boosted it up a little bit. So I'll also ask answer a couple questions from the email subscribers. So those, those questions come in too. And Bonnie, who is an email subscriber and a YouTube subscriber as well, she had a couple questions that I'll be able to go over. So that's what we'll talk about today. Normally, as most of you know, I spent a lot of time on the Amazon associate program. So there are some awesome things with Amazon, of course, but there are also some issues. And, you know, one of those came up this year with the commission rate change and that hit a lot of people very hard. A friend of mine, Matt Jevanisi, you know, he was on this show a couple times and I mean, it cost him over six figures in estimated revenue for just this year alone. And if you actually like multiplied that out for the value of his site, if you were to have sold it say at the beginning of this year versus the value of it now, it kind of hurts. I actually haven't talked to him about that, but I mean, that's a, it's a huge amount, huge amount of money, but regardless, I mean, he's still doing well and there's, pros and cons to any sort of business. So we'll go over a few of them here. And before we get into it, I do need to mention a sponsor, Ezoic. Ezoic released their site speed accelerator, which makes your site load faster and decreases the load times. You end up with a much better Google page speed insight score. And it basically kind of, I don't want to say automate, but It takes care of that stuff for you. You usually check a couple boxes and it tends to work a lot better than if you just grab a off the shelf plugin and try to use that. So keep in mind, this is a standalone product and any website can use it. There's a free seven day trial and they guarantee that you'll get an 80 or higher on the Google PageSpeed Insights score after one week with a site speed accelerator. you should try your best to get your site loading as quickly as possible without using any tools, whether it's the site speed Accelerator or anything else. A lot of times people will have uh, just huge images and a poorly implemented website. Maybe the their server is bogged down with a bunch of other websites that they're hosting, or maybe it's just a slow server. So do your best to get your site loading as quickly as possible, then try to optimize it. If you're optimizing a mess, you're still gonna have a mess at the end of the day. You can also use the site speed Accelerator on any kind of site and any CMS. So if you're using, actually, I don't know many of the other ones out there. I think Joomla is one of them, and I don't know. There's other CMSs aside from WordPress, but it'll help your site load faster. And another quick tip, if you use the DNS integration, your site will load faster versus if you use the WordPress plugin from Ezoic. So keep that in mind. It's a little bit more to configure. You will have to update your DNS settings, but you'll end up with a a much faster loading site because it sits on top of WordPress, All right? So it's, it's over WordPress. If you, I'm gesturing with my arms, you can't see it, but check out the site speed accelerator and thanks to Ezoic. So, let's get into these pros and cons. I think I'll hit the pros for Amazon first. A lot of them are you know things you you may be you know thinking right now already. The fact is, Amazon has a huge volume of sales. People trust Amazon, and from a conversion and sales perspe- sales perspective, easy for me to say, basically, if someone is kind of interested in a product, there's very low friction to hop on Amazon and just buy it. In fact, my wife and I have Prime and we have apps on our phone. So if we are thinking, hey, we need to order or buy something, we could be out on a walk with the dog, look up the item, order it, and super low friction. We don't have to put in any billing information. Amazon already has it. We know we're gonna get it pretty quickly with Prime although they've slowed down their prime deliveries a little bit with uh, quarantine and COVID. Obviously, there's some supply chain issues with a lot of people just being home and ordering online. Nevertheless, you get it quicker than uh, a lot of other places are shipping. So very low friction and you just have that huge volume of sales. So that's a a big pro. And I, I lumped in several things there. So huge volume you end up with very low friction. So you have a high conversion rate typically. And the other thing is the number of products that you can get. So many different departments, so many different categories. You can basically outfit your business. You can order computers. You can order, if you're a YouTuber, you can order like camera gear, you can order, furniture, and just anything to build out an office. You could, you know, get anything you need for your home. I'm sure a lot of people spend a lot of their time there. There's adult products and toys. You know, you may have to search around a little bit, but they have them there too. And industrial items as well. So they're expanding. They carry just about anything and you can rely on their awesome supply chain and fast shipping. And typically that works out just really well. And the, the prices are quite low. So, another pro, of course, they have a razor thin margin, perhaps, I have no idea, and they aim for the the volume, but I mean, most of the time you're gonna find, if not the best deal, pretty close to the best deal on Amazon. Plus, when you lump it in with, um, you know, the fast shipping and the convenience, that comes into play too. So all all of these kind of work together, so you end up with like really easy conversion. So the other cool thing, at least right now when I'm recording this, is Amazon will give you a commission for other items in the order in the shopping cart, even if you didn't recommend them specifically. So this has you know been going on since the beginning, but. I believe, actually I didn't check before I started recording, but I believe it was like in the last year or so in some of the markets, like uh, some of the European markets, the smaller associates programs, the orders were sort of judged differently. You have products that are qualified orders. Those are ones that are recommended that you recommended. And then there's unqualified orders. So I'll um, need to, actually find a link so that I could put this in the show notes so you could read further, but basically there's a concept of qualified and unqualified sales. So you may get a lower commission rate for the unqualified sales, which in some, you know, in some way you didn't help convert that. So you didn't help encourage the buyer to get that product because maybe your review was on a laptop and then they purchased diapers so completely unrelated you probably didn't help that conversion happen and amazon's changing those sort of uh, rules and sometimes they test out these different i guess terms in different markets before they roll it out widespread so again i should have researched that ahead of time but i know there is that sort of qualified and unqualified thing now the thing is, right now, you, you do get a commission on those other products, so that is a good thing. That is a pro at this this point in time. You do have a 24-hour cookie or a 90-day cookie. So this is sort of a pro and a kind of kind of blending these together a little bit. But the 24-hour cookie is generally, that's short, you know, only one day. The 90-day cookie, you have to uh, use a special link where you are placing that item in the person's shopping cart. So it's a little bit of a a weird uh, workflow there. And I I don't prefer it. I never use the 90 day cookie because, you know, none of my sites are set up in a way where that user flow makes sense. And it ends up, in my opinion, being a poor customer experience. What happens is if you use that 90 day cookie, someone clicks on essentially a add to cart button. So, they don't get to see the details of the product. They don't see the the uh, image or the summary like you would normally expect when you click over to Amazon. So that, that is sort of the downside with the 90 day cookie, but, but it is available. And I think if you had more of a, I guess e-commerce style shop where you had more information about the product, the summary and all those details, and the person knew when they clicked that button, it's going into their Amazon shopping cart, that would be okay. I've never had a site set up like that. So for me, it never made sense to do it. Now onto the cons for Amazon, you have a, a generally low commission rate. Of course, they've lowered it a couple of times in a massive way over the last couple of years, first in 2017 and then here in 2020. And in both cases, it was, it. you know, it depends on every single associate out there, but it could have ranged from a hit of, you know, 10% all the way to 60%, depending on what products you were mostly selling, what niche you were in, and uh, several other details, the volume that you were selling before. But in general, both of those changes reduce the commission rate in a general sense to nearly all of the associates. So those are big hits. The other thing very related is essentially you have a lack of control. So because of the volume that most Amazon associates are selling through Amazon, it's a lion's share typically of what they're selling and the revenue that they're bringing in. Amazon generally isn't in the business of helping out the little guy so much they are growing, they're sort of expanding their their reach in a, in a general sense. So the trend is lower commission rates. The trend is you know, less for the associates and more for Amazon, which I mean, I can't blame them. They're running a business. And a, f- a few months ago when we got an update from Ellen, she mentioned, you know, the same thing, you know, when we're running our affiliate businesses or our publishing businesses media companies however you want to describe what we do here we're trying to find cheaper services we're trying to you know sh- shave down our expenses exactly what Amazon is doing on a much bigger scale. And, you know, we may not agree with how they're doing it, but we're playing in their ecosystem. And part of that is not having control over really anything. So they could change the commission rate and we can get upset about it. We can go somewhere else, right? We can do something else, but in in general, there's nothing we can, um, we, we can't do anything to impact their decisions. We can complain. I think it was very cute. I thought this was a cute thing. I think there was um basically people gathering signatures out there trying to, you know, show support for rolling back the commission rates. And I just thought that was the silliest thing. <laughs> the silliest thing that people were like, Yeah, you know, Amazon cares. And uh if, if enough of us band together, they're gonna, you know, maybe change it. So silly. I, I don't know. I guess it was a cute idea, but I don't know. I don't know. Let's move on here. I think that's it for, um, the cons. There's probably several others and I would love it for the people out there to shoot me an email feedback at Doug.show. If there were some cons that I totally omitted, you know, generally the huge volume is uh, great, the, awesome conversion rate is awesome and then the commission rates are low that's the trade off that's the big trade off there i will answer a couple questions here before i talk about some other affiliate programs and the pros and cons there and let's see basically we're hitting the the niche website builders Q&A segment this is a new segment we started it uh last a couple episodes ago last week and niche website builders are the hands-off, one-stop shop affiliate marketing agency that you are looking for. And it's run by affiliate marketers, and they were scratching their own itch. They weren't happy with the services for uh, link building and content out there, and they pulled some things together. I know the founders personally, and the very cool part is they have uh, sort of a a technical corporate background, much like myself. So they are well qualified to identify a need in the market and then pull together a team with tight SOPs. And I think that's why they've been able to execute so well um, in the short time that they've been around. They're, they're pros and they know how to pull together a team and get stuff done. So let's get to Bonnie's question here. So uh, she has a lot of questions about structuring the business of affiliate sites, and I think she'll probably send some more in, but she's wondering how to keep the affiliate business separate from all the things in her personal life since she's not looking to brand herself in the moment, at the moment, sorry, brand herself at the moment. I'm reading the computer screen. It's kind of far away. So she's wondering about setting up Google accounts for the business versus using her own personal account, wondering about using a pseudonym or a pen name and basically to keep her her family and her personal interests separate. And she just wants to figure out how to do that. And she doesn't want it to be like shifty or any sort of unethical stuff. So this is a great question here. Basically, there's no There's no real issue with using a pen name on the site. In fact, in in my position as well, and a lot of other people that have blogs or they're somehow in the public eye on YouTube, on a blog, on a podcast, we will often use pen names so that people don't go out and try to find and copy our sites or do anything negative. Negative SEO is a a problem as well. So, a lot of times we will use a pseudonym. Now, I think it's important to not put anything that's like a blatant lie, especially if it edges on the unethical area. So, let me give you an example. And I don't think, Bonnie, that you're thinking of doing this, but you wouldn't want to have a medical related site and then say you're a doctor and you've been practicing for years, right? That's completely a lie. Now, the thing that could be a little fuzzy is maybe you don't have a medical site, but maybe you have a site with uh, recipes maybe there's a bunch of recipes on your site and you're saying that um, you're a doctor it's not really related, but it's still a lie and it may add more credibility, but you wouldn't want to do that and I'm using that specific example because I actually reviewed someone's site and they said they were they were a doctor and they weren't they weren't a doctor at all. They were just uh, just some random person who wasn't a doctor. So I, I was like, well, I mean, you have to change that. The other stuff is, you know, pretty inconsequential, but that is unethical. So you shouldn't say that you're a thing that you are not. If it's, you know, something to add a little bit more of a story and you're like, hey, my family and I went fishing and it was, we had a really good time. So now we have a fly fishing website that could probably be okay because it's not as, um, I don't know, it's not as serious, right? Saying you're a doctor sort of, you know, puts you on some professional level there. And that is why you would want to avoid that. Now, as far as setting up Google accounts and some of the other aspects, yeah, you could totally set up another Google account. That's actually what I do. I think I have like 20 of them. They all filter into one inbox and then I can sort them with labels wherever I want them to go, filter and do a lot of stuff in an automated way. The point is you can have your Google account and other sort of accounts and profiles out there. That is generally okay. Now, when it comes to maybe networking and corresponding with other people in your niche, then you sort of have to look out. So Let's say, for example, you launch your site under a pen name and you have an email address also under that pen name, but you start networking and you sort of make, you know, online friends with some of the other people in the industry. That's great. At some point in time, you may be like exposed to them with um, your, your real name. So, and this literally happened to me and basically I just said, hey, I have a professional career and... I And I told them ahead of time, by the way, they didn't find it out. And then I had to fess up. I just said, hey, I use a pen name on this site and I have this other email address because I want to keep everything separate. I have a, you know, a corporate job and I don't want you know HR to poke around and, and get upset because I have some side hustles. And that's no issue. Like 99% of the people will understand that. And 100% of the people that I ever told that Completely understood. They often do the same thing. And I mean, you, I actually know a fairly prominent, uh, podcaster who only used like a, a fake name. She used her initial for, uh, like her name. She just said she was Jay and never, you know, revealed it for a couple years, had a very big podcast, pretty well renowned. And, um, after a couple years and she was doing it full time, then she revealed her name and it was fine. The other thing is, I mean, she went to conferences and and knew people on a personal level. So she wasn't like trying to hide who she was, but she literally needed to make sure that her, you know, corporate career and her side hustles were completely separate to not have any issues with that. So it's totally fine to keep those things separate and use a pen name. One other aspect, which you didn't ask about Bonnie but I could talk about is the accounting. So consult your you know, legal professional and your accounting professional, because we're getting into areas that I'm not super, well, I'm not qualified, I'm just not qualified. I'm not an accountant, I'm not a lawyer, but here's what I did. So when I first started out side hustling, I actually had a, a credit card that I didn't use very often. So I said, I'm only using this credit card for my side hustle slash business expenses. And it was very easy to do the accounting because I could just pull the reports from that specific credit card and it didn't mix in with the the family credit card. You can still pull out the expenses, but then you have to go through and look at every line item and pull out those expenses. The other part is you can have a, a separate checking account. That's very helpful. If you can set up another checking account or a different bucket, I don't have many accounts out there, but you know, some companies, uh, some banks will allow you to just use another um, uh, sort of account number or set up a sub account, that sort of thing. So if you can do that, that's often helpful again to keep track of the just accounting and money coming in. Now I also set up a separate PayPal account because some of the business that I was doing in the beginning was through PayPal. So it was helpful for me to have that separate. So as much as possible, the whole point here is to set up other accounts or use other accounts so that your bookkeeping and accounting is simple. Yes, you can go back through and like pull out the line items, but trust me, you don't want to go through your full annual uh, spending and have to try to remember what expenses were business related and which ones weren't. So credit card, you know, super easy. I just happened to have an extra one that I wasn't using much and it had been around for a long time. Then once you actually do your accounting, again, consult a professional. I mean, it's uh, fairly straightforward if you're earning a you know fairly modest amount. You're not going to get a huge tax benefit by creating a business entity in forming an S corp and all that kind of stuff. But if you're earning enough and I put this off for several years and I was earning a pretty considerable amount before I actually formed a company, filed the uh, S corp, whatever you call that filing, I forget, forget what it's called, but you send it to the IRS and you know, everything sort of passes through. I don't know all the terms, uh, but the accounting is a little simpler. If you if you do that, so just keep that in mind. If you're just getting started, don't worry about it too much. It'll end up being you know uh, hopefully a few thousand or tens of thousands of dollars, and then it just sort of uh, fits in your normal income. At least that's the way I understand it. Once I form the corporation and did a lot more complicated things, that's when I pulled in an accountant because the mistakes would be a lot more painful to roll back. Prior to that, it was, you know, like I said, sort of inconsequential to uh, put things under the, uh, not a sole proprietorship, but to put things under my, my normal income, right? So it was mostly fine there. And I can't emphasize it enough to, you know, talk to an accountant. All right. Talk to an accountant. So this segment was brought to you by niche website builders and they use the same approach on their own six figure portfolios. Their content packages come with a proprietary keyword research process and they're written by in-house native English speaking writers. They're formatted using the templates proven to convert and they upload into WordPress with your affiliate links. And in fact, They um, did this work for me and everything was in there uh, flawlessly. They did a really great job. I got about 20,000 words of content in the last uh, week or so. They did a great job. So basically all you need to do is uh, peruse it. I always double check and make sure it looks good once I preview it. And then you just hit publish. So they basically do everything for you. And currently they are working on a shotgun skyscraper campaign for me. So it's on the early side. It's still been under one month. So I think they're trying to, you know, start doing the outreach at this point. And I'm excited to see the results. You can either save 10% or get 10% more content as a Doug show listener. So there's a link in the show notes here. Just follow that over, put your name and email address in there, and they will send you the coupon code that you need to save the money. So thanks a lot to niche website builders. So let's uh, let's move on to some of the other affiliate programs and the pros and cons of those. As I mentioned before, often these just end up being the like the converse of the Amazon side. So I'm not going to go as deep because you'll basically understand because it's the you know the inverse. So a lot of times other affiliate programs are gonna pay a much higher commission rate, especially when you get into digital products. And this is you know, one of the big themes that I hit on with multi-profit site. That's my other flagship course out there where basically you're trying to earn from a variety of sources instead of just Amazon. And the, the cool part with the digital products is essentially there's very little overhead to sell more of the product or uh, distribute more of the product because it's all digital. So software, right, it's already created. And if more users are out there, the cost of distribution doesn't really go up. It's usually the same. If you're selling a super huge volume, then perhaps there's more bandwidth to pay for, a couple other items like that. Yes, if it's software, you may incur, or the company may incur more cost in the form of support or upgrades and that sort of thing. But generally, it's um, infinitely scalable. Courses are also infinitely scalable, usually in you know, kind of a, a better way, I think, because with software, you do have to upgrade it perhaps a little more often if it's, for example, a WordPress plugin or theme. WordPress updates things, and then you also have to play in the whole WordPress ecosystem, which means you can have conflicts with other plugins or software that's running on the same platform. So kind of going a little deep here, but essentially other affiliate programs probably will pay a higher commission rate, not all. And I recently saw that Walmart was reducing their commission rate as well, which um was I was a little surprised. I was hoping they were going to maybe do the opposite and step up and and think, hey, we're gonna try and get more of the market share from Amazon, but they cut their commission rates. So I don't know anyone who was actually making a whole lot from the Amazon affiliate pro or sorry, the Walmart, Walmart affiliate program, but hopefully I wasn't saying Amazon that whole time. So anyway, Walmart cut their commission rates as well. Now, the other affiliate programs might be very specific. So maybe it's uh, like REI. So REI is an outdoor shop here in the US and they have an affiliate program as well. They have sort of higher end products that you probably can't get anywhere else, right? So you end up with that higher commission rate but unfortunately right people are maybe not inclined to order as much stuff and as i mentioned before on the qualified and unqualified orders over on amazon at rei you could be buying a backpack and you know a bunch of other gear and hiking stuff and some boots but you, you won't be able to get those diapers, right? You can't get the just obscure things because they are only selling stuff that you can get in their store, which is pretty tightly focused around being outside. So you do have the, the con of just less of a selection. You also, with other affiliate programs, typically will see a lower conversion rate. Again, it does depend on you know, your traffic and the products that you're promoting, but in general, you're not going to convert as much. There's more friction. I mean, I have ordered things from REI in the past, but it's highly likely that the credit card in REI uh, for my account is expired and I would have to enter a new one. So that friction is completely different. Plus I know if uh, I need to return it, Either I'm gonna to have to take it to a store, which is a little further away, at least where I'm located here, than if I ordered something from Amazon and I could just go take it to Kohl's, which is something they do now. Uh, no charge, you just apparently show up at Kohl's and they'll send it back to Amazon, which is kind of interesting. So there's a couple, you know, not usability, but there's a couple aspects with these other affiliate programs where there's just a little more friction where I'm gonna think a little bit harder before I actually order anything not always, but a lot of times that will be the case. And again, a lot of these blend together, but with the other affiliate programs, it may, might just be in one niche, right? So REI is outdoor. If you're working with like uh, office Depot, it's just office related stuff. There's a, a couple, couple little extra things in there, but um, you know, generally that's, I mean, it's in the name, Office Depot, Office Max, whatever, like all, they just carry sort of the same sort of stuff and you're not going to be able to get um, a backpack at those places. Do let me know if you have any pros or cons that I missed and omitted here. Would love to hear from you. So you can send me an email at feedback at Um, Matthew actually sent me an email and I'm not going to mention everything that he put in his email because I didn't get full permission yet. I actually, I just sent him an email, but basically he's been listening to the show for a while and his subject line was what sandbox. So basically he started a blog in May of 2020 on a brand new domain and he just got over 10,000 sessions in July. So that's pretty awesome. And he's earning, um, under a thousand dollars, but over 500 per month, which is great. He says he hasn't done any link building. There's only 26 posts, which is pretty awesome. So again, I'm not going to reveal everything here, but he also, this is the kicker. He has no experience building sites. So this is his first one ever. And, um, Hopefully I'll be able to do an interview with Matthew and I can hopefully share some more stuff. But I mean, there are untapped niches out there. It seems like there should be more to this story and maybe I'm missing something, but it happens out there. And then, I mean, I started a site around the same time. There's roughly about the same, um, maybe I'm a little bit later, but basically I have about the same amount of content and he's doing better than me right now. So I don't know how much time he's spending on it. I can't make excuses, but every now and then, you know, if you find the right set of keywords, if you find the right niche and just, you know, strike while it's hot, you can do some pretty amazing things. So hopefully I'll hear some more from Matthew. I have a awesome new interview coming up soon from uh, Garav, who you may know from some of the YouTube live streams that I've done. He's often in the chat there and I've, I've given him a shout out once or twice, but he has a pretty cool story where he purchased the site and has been able to grow it really quickly, really fast with, um, about 200 pieces of content. And I think he went from, you know, making okay money, um, when he bought the site and then within about a week or so, the Amazon commission rate change hit in April and then he kept moving forward, published a ton of content. And now he's making over 600 bucks a month and the site's on a great growth trajectory. So really smart guy pumped about getting that interview out. So, um, that should be in the next you know week or two. So keep an eye out for that one. And I think I will end it here. I got, uh, ton of other cool stuff to do today. Like I'm working on a, a new course and I'm building some of the sales page. So it, it doesn't sound fun when I say it out loud, but you know, as things are coming together and um, I'm, I'm coming upon a uh, sort of completion of uh, work in a project, it's nice to finish things, you know, finish them up, move forward, and then, you know, work on some more stuff. It's no fun to have like a bunch of projects that are 80% done. So maybe that's why I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm about to wrap it up. Things are gonna be moving forward pretty quick. And at the time that you're listening to this, um, the course is not out yet. It's called um, Site Growth Plan. So first time I'm mentioning Site Growth Plan. And it's the first time that I'm hosting a course over on Kajabi, all right? So it, hopefully... I'll figure out how to do everything over there. It's been a little slow actually putting together the sales page. It's one of the sort of uh, page builder style situations. So it's a little slower and cumbersome. There's a lot of mouse clicks to do anything, but I'm I'm sort of coming to the end with that. And hopefully I'll be able to get the content in there uh, pretty quick. And again, if you're if you're listening to this, like right when this episode is coming out, the course will be coming out on the... 24th of August and it'll be sort of a promotion, a launch promotion for that week. So you'll be able to get somewhat of a discount, which I rarely do, but for the launch week, I I do want to do that. And this is uh, unlike my other courses, which are huge flagship courses. This is a smaller course for four units meant to be consumed uh, in a quick manner and then implemented in a quick manner too. So site growth plan, keep an eye out for it. I'll put a, um, actually, I won't put a link out there yet because it's not, it's not ready yet. It's not ready, so you can't get it yet. But uh, keep an eye out for it. Make sure you're on the email list and all that stuff. So have a great day out there. We'll catch you on the next episode. Click the green button, enter your name and email address, and I'll send you a bunch of cool stuff about affiliate marketing, productivity, including all my templates. If you happen to not be subscribed to this podcast, please do subscribe and don't forget, I welcome your questions. So you could send uh, your emails to feedback at doug.show. I got that really cool domain, doug.show, that's it. So feedback at doug.show or... I'm going to leave my voicemail number in the show notes. So all you have to do is give me a buzz, leave a voicemail, and then I'll potentially put you on the air. So looking forward to it and we'll catch you next time.